0: He lives in a new town now where the snow begins in October and ends in May. And he is happy, day by day. He sees the shapes of snowflakes, smells the earth when the spring tulips crack open the earth, delights in the papers on his desk, mountains of lost stuff waiting to be discovered again. The world is full of miracles. At every moment, we are at the crossroads, and we must decide to choose happiness, and he knows this. Last season, Wendell Berry, one of America's most respected essayists, visited the Kentucky governor's office. He arrives with 16 people, professors, writers, and a retired coal miner, an 80-year-old woman. They sit. They have been demanding an end to mountaintop removal of coal for a long time, The response from the governor's office has been an echoing silence. The receptionist asks, Will you move to a more convenient room down the hall? No, moving to another room is not more convenient. And one man says, My brother died in a coal mining accident and it was not convenient. We'll just wait for the governor. The media arrives, and a reporter asks Wendell Berry, Do you think sitting in this office will make a difference when there is such a long record of the government and the mining industry working hand-in-hand? And Wendell Berry responds, I don't know. The question is, is it right? And I know it's right to be here. And because I am writing this essay, I wonder if Wendell Berry and the 16 people who are with him are happy. The governor comes through the door. The famous poet and essayist, those who have lost family and friends, the ones who can't build on the family land because of the methane in the water, those who have witnessed the frogs and crawdads dying in the contaminated streams. They all surround the governor, and they tell their stories. They prepare themselves to be arrested. But no one is arrested. I sense that they are disappointed. Instead, the staff says, if you're going to be here until the end of the day, you might as well stay in the governor's office for the whole weekend. Someone runs to the store for a handful of toothbrushes and pillows. They spread out in the office, and amazingly enough, an outside supporter orders pizzas for them. You can't anticipate how these things are going to work out. You come with justice and peace in mind. You get an invitation for an overnight and pizza instead. They lift the lid of the cardboard box. The smell of oregano. They are staying. Happiness comes from cultivating connections beyond our own singular life, more than our own tribe, more than our own species, in this case, the connection extends to the earth itself. A bad day, a piece of legislation that doesn't go our way, a promise broken, doesn't damage the deepest sense of well-being for this kind of happiness. What might have felt like the end of the world is now an invitation, a challenge to continue. Happiness isn't put off by challenges. Are you living the happiness that you deserve? For more information on the UU Church of Davis, please visit our website at www.uudavis.org.
1: The Davis High Journalism Program presents local news from a student perspective. Welcome to this week's Dirt on Davis. For years, DHS's orchestra programs have been recognized for their abilities. The Symphony Orchestra is being praised for its work after the June issue of Downbeat magazine came out this month and hit newsstands nationwide. Kelsey Ewing has the story. One of the final DHS events of the year is the annual Car Show, which took place on Wednesday May 25th. Page and brought crowds of curious students to the High School Quad.
2: Rubia Sdiki with co-producer Monica Lopez-Lara DHS's has the story. Has dedicated Thank to you
1: for tuning into this week's Dirt on Davis. June this is Grace Downbeat, Calhoun signing out. Dr.
2: Angelo Moreno and his orchestra will be recognized as the best classical high school group in the nation.
3: Um, pff, number one, they were really shocked um, and really excited about it. And I think I'm really honored to have been recognized for all their hard work.
2: First chair bassist and DHS senior Katie Ronning acknowledged that the competition is naturally fierce.
0: There's a lot of really great orchestras out there too and um, you know we can always get better.
2: However the orchestra had a head start on many of the other applicants. The group meets four days a week and members are required to play an additional 120 minutes outside of school every week.
3: That in comparison to most symphonies um, is about twice as much time as most groups get in a week. Um, Most college symphonies play two days, two nights a week. Most professional symphonies play three times before a concert. So we get a lot, a lot of time to get it right.
2: Not only has the symphony orchestra been praised for its work, but also the DHS music program as a whole was recently recognized by the Grammy Signature Foundation.
3: And that was kind of a big deal because that means that uh, as a department, we submit CDs and all the information about our music department as a whole. And we have to have excellence in every single group to be able to win that sort of award. Mm -hmm.
2: The Symphony Orchestra, along with the Baroque Ensemble and Chamber Orchestra, will play in their final concert of the year on Thursday, May 26th. This has been Kelsey Ewing with (laughs) BlueDevilHub.com.
1: One of the final DHS events of the year is the annual car show, which took place on Wednesday, May 25th, and brought crowds of curious students to the high school quad. Rubia Siddiqui with co-producer Monica Lopez Lara have the story.
4: DHS's annual car show took place on Wednesday, May 25th. Although this year brought cloudy skies and rain to the quad, many students still gathered around the cars to bask in their glory. Senior and student government member Emma McNeil helped organize the event. She says the categories for nomination are Best Stereo, Best 4x4, People's Choice, Best Exterior, Best Interior, Best Wheels, and Best Classic.
2: We started putting out applications three and a half weeks ago, and we had to postpone the car show until a week later than what we were planning, which was May 25th instead of May 18th.
4: Senior Clayton Jimenez entered his nineteen sixty three Cadillac Deville. He says his favorite part of his car is a black and white leather interior which he says was redone two years ago. He entered the deville into best interior best classic best exterior and people's choice
3: I don't know it's just it's unique it's one of its it's like a old classic it's like a luxury car and it's like one of its only it's one of the only kinds here i guess of that kind of car like we have a bunch of classics, but all of them are like More like muscle cars or something like that. And this is the only car that's like long and supposed to be luxurious.
4: Junior Michael Yen also participated in what was his second car show by entering his Chevy Camaro in Best Exterior and People's Choice. Yen is not optimistic about winning because he has noticed that other cars have received more attention than his.
3: No, I know. I'm not disappointed. Last year, I was kind of disappointed, though, because... But last year, they had way better cars than mine. I'm not going to lie. But this year, I definitely thought... I deserve to be like I don't know top 5 cars. All right, there was an awesome Mustang. There was like a Ferrari. And then there was just like some really stupid cars.
4: Although he doesn't expect to win, he will not be disappointed because he participates to increase school spirit rather than to win a prize.
3: Oh, I don't think I should win. I I mean, it would be nice to win. I don't I don't think that I have to win or anything. Um, I just, I just uh, want to be part of like the school spirit thing, you know.
4: According to McNeil, the cars that received the most attention were the Ferrari, Cadillac, and a truck with an impressive sound system. This is Rabiya Siddiqui, BlueDevilHub.com. Thank you
1: for tuning into this week's Dirt on Davis. This is Grace Calhoun signing out.
0: Here it is.
5: From deep inside your radio, don't tase me, NPR. We went into the red, um, ladies and gentlemen, from New Orleans, Louisiana. One more time, um, I have to say, uh, I want to thank, first of all, all the folks at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, or as Emeril Legacy called it, BAM, for a wonderful uh, showing of the Big Uneasy last Wednesday night. Great Q and A. Great sounded great. The film sounded great. Looked great. Thank you, BAM. And Brooklyn, who knew? I know, I'm the last person to figure out Brooklyn. It's not Manhattan. No, it sure isn't. I, I was there a while ago. You'll read about it in my book. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. And uh, Dick Cavett, uh, just a word. Any of my copyrighted features that you'd like to steal and write, uh, base a, an op-ed uh, uh, on for the New York Times, just feel free, babe. Copyrighted means nothing. Um. Last week, this is, you know, as you may know if you've been following my uh, little messages at the beginning of the broadcast about where the show is originating, I've been uh, all over the place. Last week, I was uh, in Edinburgh, which was cold and wet and rainy and blistery, March, kind of, and now I'm in uh, New Orleans, where it's different, but... um, there's one thing that you, you, um, one can miss about I mean, the people in Edinburgh are wonderfully fran- friendly, and it's a great city. But it's a, it's a city of hills, and, um, you know, they have these wonderful vistas uh, from the hilltops uh, or from the, the bottom looking up, uh, uh, bottom of the hills. And, uh, y- you know, you come to a city that's flat, and you, you, you miss it for a little while until you realize, man, it's New Orleans. The potholes here are so deep, you get spectacular views when you're in them. Just beautiful Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, what's up with the Army Corps of Engineers, you didn't ask? Well, they need at least a month to fix the bid process. Now, this is a bid process that was rejected by the Government Accountability Office because it was fixed. But they're going to fix the fixing. They're fixing to fix the fixing. That's why it's going to take a month. This is the process on its $700 million contract to build new permanent pumps to replace the once permanent pumps that turned out to be temporary because they don't work. Uh, So as a result, construction will be delayed by as long as a year, meaning that the pumps which the Corps says have a usable life of five to seven years will be in service for nine, ten. What do you got? But they say they're fixing them every day, the, the ones that don't work now but although where they work they, that's what they say anyway the core uh, will determine whether it should accept new or revised bids and focus on fixing both technical and procedural issues raised by that GAO report but uh, it will it will create a year's delay that was uh, the bid if you weren't listening last week was uh, rejected because of cronyism really? And because the Corps spent less corps officials, according to the GAO, spent less than five minutes reviewing the technical capability of the winning bidder to do the work. Because technical schmechnical, you know. Also, you know, I, I I will say this at least the Corps didn't call anything in New Orleans inadequate. They probably should. But Dateline-Fort Worth, the Army Corps of Engineers, rated most of the levees along Fort Worth's Trinity River floodways unacceptable this week. But it said the levee system is among the best maintained in the country. So, uh, nice work polishing the woodwork on the Titanic, guys. The findings were presented to the uh, county's regional water district. And they reflect more rigorous inspection methods that the Corps adopted after the Katrina flooding. Because... Inspection is really what we were lacking here. Inspectors found that eight of the ten levees in Fort Worth might be unable to withstand the kind of flood that would occur once every 800 years, but could handle a so-called 100-year flood. Of course, in New Orleans, nothing is built to withstand an 800-year thing, but that's okay. Um... Overall the system remains operational and safe to pass a moderate flood. Completing any necessary identified corrective actions will reduce the overall risk for passing a major extreme flood, says the Corps. Passing means withstanding in Corps speak. The levees were rated unacceptable mostly because trees and other vegetation on them do not comply with national standards. By the way, the one of the two levee boards in New Orleans just found, after a recent rain, big big Logs in the levees that the Corps has built, the new levees the Corps has built to protect the West Bank of New Orleans, which, of course, is east of New Orleans. Um, Big logs, which uh, last time I looked, aren't supposed to be in levees, even according to the Corps. But they're in the Corps' levees because, hey, welcome to the show. From the edge of Lake Pontchartrain, they, they got a crane up by the by the pumps today. I don't know what's going on. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. Conventional poultry farms use antibiotics extensively, ladies and gentlemen, which contributes to the rise of antibiotic-resistant dreams. But farms that turn to organic practices, including a ban on antibiotics, can greatly reduce antibiotic-resistant... Be- with only the first year of the change. That's according to a new study in the journal Environmental Health Perspectives. The kid threw it in my sprinkler, so I didn't get my... my, It's wet. The scientists studied 10 conventional poultry farms and 10 large-scale, newly organic poultry farms. They tested for the presence of enterococci. (laughs) I'm sure Anderson Cooper is giggling right now. Microorganisms commonly found in both conventional and organic poultry farms, and they compared the bacteria's resistance to 17 antibacter- anti-microbacterial, sorry, antimicrobial medications. Researchers say they were surprised at how quick and precipitous was the fall in resistance once the farms had switched. Just, you know, just a thing. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen, in the annals of the sexual abuse scandals in the Roman Catholic Church, most of the cases that have come to light happened years ago children and teenagers who've long since grown into adults, but a painfully fresh case is devastating Catholics in Kansas City, Missouri, where a priest who was arrested in May has been indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of taking indecent photographs of young girls, most recently during an Easter egg hunt just four months ago. That, talk about your Easter eggs. Bishop Robert Finn of the Diocese of Kansas City, St. Joe, has acknowledged he knew of the existence of, photo- of the photographs last December, it didn't turn them over to the police until May, waiting for them to, to develop. I mean, the photographs. A civil lawsuit filed last week claims that during these five months, the priest, Reverend Sean Radigan, attended children's birthday parties, spent weekends in the homes of families in the parish, hosted the Easter egg hunt, and presided with the bishop's permission at a girl's first communion. All these uh, parishioners just feel so betrayed because we knew nothing, says Tu Meng, whose daughter attended the preschool in Father Radigan's parish, and we were welcoming this guy into our homes, asking him to come bless this or that. They saw all these signs, and they didn't do anything. This bishop is already a polarizing figure in his diocese. Uh, only Three years ago, Bishop Finn settled lawsuits with 47 plaintiffs in sexual abuse cases for $10 million and agreed to a long list of preventive measures, among them to immediately report anyone suspected of being a pedophile to the cops. There were 19 non-monetary agreements the diocese signed on to, and they didn't do it, says an abuse victim. The bishop apologized and released a five-point plan that he described as sweeping changes. So they're going to change the way they... No. He hired an ombudsman. That'll do it. The bishop also replaced the vicar general involved in the case after he was uh, accused of propositioning a young man in 1984. The bishop is trying to induce his diocese to conform with his traditionalist theological views. He's one of the few bishops affiliated with Opus Dei. He canceled a program to train Catholic laypeople to be leaders, hired more staff members to recruit candidates for the priesthood. He cut the budget of the Office of Peace and Justice, which focused on poverty, and created a new Respect Life office. Father Radigan was also an outspoken conservative, according to the Kansas City Star. The diocese was first warned about Father Radigan's inappropriate interest in young girls as far back as 2006, there were also more recent warnings. In May 2010, the principal of a Catholic elementary school where Father Radican worked hand delivered a letter to the vicar general. Reporting he's a general, reporting specific episodes that had raised alarms, the priest put a girl on his lap during a bus ride and allowed children to reach into his pants pockets for candy. When a brownie troop visited his house, a parent re- reported finding a pair of girls' panties in a planter. The priest was reported to have said, I thought it was a panther." No, no, he did not. I wish he had. I'd like him more. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I thought there were planties. News of the warm, won't you? Soft listening. Yes, we can, Glenn. We're listening to it. The award-winning news of the war, a key glacier in Greenland is melting faster than previously expected, according to Science Daily, reporting findings by a team of academics from the University of Sheffield. The researchers found that Greenland's longest observed glacier, glacier, we call it here in this country, Mitivakat, made two consecutive record losses in mass in 2010 and 2011. It's on a roll. The observations this year indicate, even comparing the mass balance value against simulated such values back to 1898, that this is a record-breaking glacier mass loss year. This particular glacier has been observed for mass balance and fluctuations since 1995 and and um, also since 1931 for front fluctuations. The glacier terminus has uh, retreated about 22 meters, if you're measuring. These observations suggest that recent mass losses of that glacier, which have been driven largely by higher surface temperatures and low precipitation, are representative of the broader region, which includes many hundreds of local glaciers in Greenland. Observations of other glaciers in Greenland show terminus retreats comparable to that of Mitivakat. These glaciers are similar to Mitivakat in size and elevation. Local glacier observations in Greenland are rare. This one is the only glacier in Greenland for which long-term observations of both the surface mass balance and glacier front fluctuations exist. It's clear that this is now a very dynamic environment in terms of the response and mass wastage to ongoing climate change, says the principal investigator. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. News of the dick. Mr. Cabot. if you want to take that one, it's yours. Really. Just plug it. Oh, I shouldn't say that. News of the F-bomb. The new F-bomb foreclosure. California's attorney general claims a law firm, Kramer & Caslow, is running a foreclosure scam that has suckered, quote, thousands of California homeowners. The state claims the law office and a long list of other defendants prey on desperate consumer homeowners facing foreclosure by selling participation in bogus mass joinder lawsuits and litigation settlements, but quote, no settlements exist, and in some cases, no lawsuit has ever been filed. Perhaps more interestingly, although not to the producers of Face the Nation, I'll explain that in a moment, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that during the, um, the big real estate bubble, culminating in 2008 during which somewhat questionable mortgages were packaged into securities so-called and sold to investors based on the triple a ratings. Those securities were given by the three bond rating firms, Standard & Poor's, Fitch and Moody's. Standard & Poor's has been in the news recently, but now focus on Moody's an ex. Derivatives analyst for Moody's says the credit rating agency intimidated and pressured analysts to issue glowing ratings of those toxic, complex, structured mortgage securities. In a 78-page letter to the Securities and Exchange Commission, good luck with that. They destroy all their documents, according to the New York Times and Rolling Stone this week. William Harrington outlined how the the committees that make the ratings decisions are not independent and how managers often intimidated analysts. The management of Moody's and the board of Moody's are squarely responsible for the f- poor quality of previous Moody's opinions that ushered in the financial crisis. He wrote, the track record of management influence to committees in committees, speaks for itself. It produced hollowed out opinions that were at great odds with the private opinions of committees and which were not durable for even a short period after publication, unquote. He sent the letter last week in response to a. 517 page proposal by the FEC sorry the SEC on regulations for the credit rating businesses uh, it raises similar issues already at the heart of a justice department investigation into standard and poors the Moody spokesman says we cannot emphasize strongly enough the importance Moody's places on the quality of our ratings and the integrity of our ratings process unquote yes you can You can emphasize it strongly enough. Try. Just try. So uh, so Face the Nation this morning had the chief analyst for Moody's on their program live for questioning. Never asked him about this. That's the face of Face the Nation. I don't think it's the face of Face the Nation. It may be the other side. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week before Dick Cabot does it. We're so sorry. Officials for Austin-based Temple Inland Incorporated apologized this week for a chemical discharge from its Bogalusa, Bogalusa Louisiana paper mill that resul- resulted in a fish kill in the Pearl River, said it will work to help clean up the spill. You know, the people who cause the spill are the best people to help clean it up. Just ask Rupert Murdoch. But wait, there's more. The company shut down production at the paper mill after tests showed the mill would exceed its allowable daily level for discharge from its wastewater treatment facility. This exceedance, says the company, may have depleted the oxygen level in part of the river below that necessary to sustain a healthy fish population. Bogalusa, is about 70 miles north of New Orleans. Media reports have described portions of the pearl as being filled with black, oily water with thousands of dead fish floating on the surface. the charge is being reported as far south as 50 miles and may have entered Lake Pontchartrain, besides which I sit right now. A Fox News panel member on a show called The Five, which replaced Glenn Beck, not that anybody noticed, apologized repeatedly this week for using racially tinged language on the air. The panel was discussing the possibility of Michael Vick, the NFL player who was served some jail time for running a dogfighting operation, now getting a dog. Beckel slipped into a southern twang and explained his view of the type of people who watch dog fighting. Says Beckel, be, uh, they're consumers of R.C. Cole and Moon Pies. I'm talking about a bunch of rednecks down in that place where he was running those things. I used to be a redneck, says Beckel. I can talk about rednecks. Later, he apologized. When I talk about rednecks, blacks are rednecks. Whites are rednecks. I was a redneck. Chinamen are rednecks. In the next segment... Beckel apologized again. If I upset anybody, which I do all the time, in particular in the Chinese community, it was a joke. I apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings. And I really mean that, except, well, never mind. He trailed off. Dateline Flagstaff, Arizona, the developer of the Grand Canyon Skywalk, has apologized for comments that a northwestern Arizona tribe says were racist. A spokesman for David Jinn was quoted in a Las Vegas magazine as saying the Wallapi tribal leadership is lawless and has an archaic government. Jinn says he would never approve of such sentiments and issued a formal apology to Wallapi chairwoman Louise Benson. This came after the tribe twice demanded an apology from him. U.S. Representative Doug Landborn of Colorado met with black community leaders in, on Friday and apologized for calling President Obama a tar baby. In a recent radio interview, he had al- already apologized previously to the president. Lamborn's press assistant kicked reporter out of the meeting at the Baptist Church. Lamborn said in a radio interview... That he didn't want Republicans to get too cozy with the president. Even if some people say, well, the Republicans should have done this or should have done that, they they will hold the president responsible, Lamborn said. Now, I don't even want to be associated with him. It's like touching a tar baby. And you get it. You know you're stuck. You're part of the problem now. So that's his second apology for that. Skincare brand Nivea's popular, (laughs) popular, looks like you give a damn campaign went awry this week. After they released a new print ad that showed a well-groomed, clean-shaven African-American man about to toss away a rubber mask of his earlier self with facial hair and an afro. Over the model, words in giant type read, Re-civilize yourself. The public outrage over the ad was immediate. Within hours, Nivea has apologized. On its Facebook page, the company wrote, This ad was inappropriate and offensive. It was never our intention to offend anyone, and for this we are deeply sorry this ad will never be used again. It's already appearing in the September issue of Esquire. Nivea runs other variations of the ad, including one that features a white male model and r- with a rubber head with no text about re-civilization. That's too much freaking perspective. Dateline, the Bronx. It's no Brooklyn. Perplexed parents listened this week as the Chancellor of New York City Public Schools, Dennis Walcott, apologized for what they have been through and promised it would never happen again. What they've been through, my child said one would come home continuously talking about headaches. Headaches are known symptoms of exposure to TCE, that's trichloroethylene, the chemical found in the air at the Bronx New School. Well, that's what's new. Now with TCE same chemical that has been linked to cancer. But they're sorry. And they're sorry about the cancer if it happens. Dateline Shanghai, the local unit of ConocoPhillips, apologized this week for oil spills in China's Bohai Bay, said the cleanup from the leaks is almost complete with minimal impact to the environment. Imagine that. No oil remains on the sea's surface from the leakages. You know, that means you just sprayed some dispersant and it's down below, doesn't it? Really? Hmm? What? Hello, Conoco. They're not here. Uh, New Mexico State Police Chief Robert Schilling has apologized to an Albuquerque Journal photographer who'd been stopped on the freeway, held at gunpoint, and handcuffed by an officer in a case of mistaken identity earlier this week. He called me personally to apologize, said photographer Adolphe Pierre-Louis. Uh, Sounds vaguely French to me. He said the incident reflects badly on the officers involved in the whole department, including himself. He was forced to wear handcuffs. Alongside the freeway for about half an hour was Pierre-Louis, while officers retrieved a witness who confirmed that he was not the man who pointed a gun at him. An immediate supervisor will review the report and dashboard camera video of the incident, says the New Mexico police. Speaking of cameras, um, it just occurs to me, I don't even know if I said this on the on this broadcast last week, Yes, I did. (laughs) Forget it. I should listen to this show. Facebook spokesman Andrew Noyes apologized by email on behalf of Facebook for the removal of a post by Arizona Governor Jan Brewer that criticized President Obama's administration decision to limit deportation of illegal immigrants. On Friday, Brewer posted on her Facebook wall that after she posted a statement criticizing the administration's change, along with a photo, Facebook censored the post and removed it because the photo apparently violated their community standards. Now, Noyles said, Noy, yeah, said the Facebook removed the post in error and was sorry. Brewer posted a, a triumphant, We won, note, after the Facebook apology. Dayline Cairo eager to head off a diplomatic crisis with the most important peace partner it has. Israel apologized to Egypt this week over the deaths of three Egyptian soldiers who were accidentally killed last week during an Israeli military incursion into the Sinai Peninsula. Israel deeply regrets the deaths of Egyptian security forces who were killed this week, said a statement. Deadline Washington, the International Security Assistance Force and U.S. Forces Afghanistan commander met this week with family members of Afghan civilians killed and injured during a July incident in the Nedjrab district of Kapisa province. Marine Corps General John Allen expressed his sincere condolences and apologized to Afghan family members for their loss during the meeting at ISAF headquarters in Kabul. Allen said any civilian casualties are a tragedy and assured the families he would continue to make every effort to reduce civilian casualties. Just stay away from the drones, folks. Comedian Adam Carolla apologized soon after news spread about his transphobic. Haven't heard that one before. It means, uh, according to this, um, fear of transgendered people. And homophobic rant on a recent episode of his Podcast. I'm sorry my comments were hurtful, Corolla said to TMZ. I'm a comedian, not a politician. He made several jabs at transgender people during a recent podcast, prompting the Gay and Lesbian Alliance against defamation, glad, to speak out against the host. Deadline Berlin, a German soccer club, has apologized to an opposing team's fans after a high frequency loudspeaker was used to drown out their singing during a game last week. In a statement on Hoffenheim's website, the Bundesliga Club said one employee was responsible for producing the noise, described in his own words as a remedy to counteract abusive chants by Dortmund fans, directed at the team's main financial backer, Dietmar Hope. Hop, hop, hop. And on last Friday evening, the Twitter feed for the Compton, California rapper, The Game, sent out a message suggesting... That uh, his 580,000 followers call a phone number for an internship. Sweet gave no indication that the phone number was, in fact, the f- official helpline for the Compton station of the sheriff's department. For almost three hours, the station's lines were jammed with hundreds of calls blocking legitimate requests for help. Many callers asked deputies for a music internship. Initially, a sheriff's deputies said they would seek criminal charges and uh, present a case to prosecutors, but legal experts doubted the tweet could be proved to be criminal. Now, the game at first seemed less than contrite. He at one point criticized the sheriff's department, but on Wednesday he told CNN, my sincerest apologies to the sheriff's department. It was a joke gone wrong. I never intended for anybody to take it the wrong way or for it to go this far and just, you know, I think it's all nonsense. If my apology is not enough, I don't understand what else can be done. The rapper, who in the past has criticized snitches, stressed to CNN that a friend sent the tweet. Okay, you're off the hook. That sounds like you're so off the hook. And Gerard Depardieu, the French film actor, apologized for an incident on a plane this week where he was reported to have urinated on the plane, uh, after the apology, the um, actor's friend who accompanied him on well uh, yeah, A- after the apology, the actor's friend who accompanied him on the flight explained what had really happened. but it, uh, before that, Anderson Cooper on his uh, CNN <laughs> news broadcast delivered this essay based on the subject of Gérard Dépardieu, having been found to have urinated in his seat on a plane.
6: I thought there was no way it was real, but the airline CityJet confirmed it beyond any shadow of skepticism, and by that I mean they vaguely tweeted about it. Quote, as you may have seen on the news, we are busy mopping the floor of one of our planes this morning. We'd also like to remind all passengers that our planes are fully equipped with toilet facilities. Hmm, CityJet. I would have guessed he flies incontinental incontinental. Anyway, while the airline was busy putting the P back in PR, some of the passengers just couldn't hold it anymore and started spilling their versions of the incidents to the press. Can you blame them? They saw an actual thespian, actually thespian. This <laughs> oh, it's full of puns. This probably won't come as a shock, but several passengers say Depardieu was, you guessed it, visibly drunk but I think there's another explanation. See, as a celebrity, he's not accustomed to being told he can't do things he wants to do when he wants to do them. Things like going to the bathroom. No, he's probably used to being, you know, pampered. Uh, I'd go as far as to say he depends on it. we we'll put a graphic in case you didn't get the reference. Depends on it. But it's kind of sad when you think about it. This guy has been in hundreds of movies. Will he be remembered for Cerno de Bergerac? Probably not. Will he be remembered for Green Card? Mm, nope. This, in is, this incident is likely to go down as his number one role, although there is a bright side. We <laughs> stop laughing. It's distracting. <laughs> now that we know he doesn't have any stage fright when it comes to public urination, maybe he can get together with his fellow castmates from Love Vienna Rose, and they can all have a pissing contest. You know, like a, a pee-off. Pee-off, because the movie was about, you know, pee-off. I said pee-off. So after Gerard took his little solo flight to Urine Nation, the plane had to turn around and go back to the gate, and some unlucky cleaning crew had to deal with the Golden Globe winning Tinkle. Now, all I can say is they should thank their lucky stars it wasn't Depard 2. Sorry. <laughs> that made me giggle every time I read it. He hasn't commented on this incident. <laughs> Depard II. I know you got it,
5: but... Yeah, we got it. The friend of Deb said later this week that the actor has a prostate problem and had tried to avail himself of the facility but was told not during the time prior to takeoff. That was a fact that uh, a news channel could have uh, uncovered, but this was CNN. And here's the rest of... Anderson's Laughing Fit Set to Music.
6: It never happened. It never happens to me.
5: This is Le Show. Now, here's Dick Cabot. Adam, and this is news of our friend, Addie.
3: No friend of yours. <laughs>
5: He's so touchy. Nanako, namako mushrooms grown in the open air in Soma, a city about 25 miles north of the fuk plant, were found to contain nine times the legal limit of cesium, the local government said this week. Japan's farm ministry asked growers in Fuku Prefecture to refrain from harvesting mushrooms off raw wood left outside, according to NHK. The broadcaster japan may join a u.s-led treaty under which governments agree to prevent excessive claims against other governments for compensation from nuclear accidents why would that be necessary that's according to the nikkei newspaper without giving the source of the information levels of cesium-134 in seawater near fuk rose to levels 30 times the allowed safety standards last month according to tests performed by tepco but don't sue us, bro. Don't sue us too much. Officials at Constellation Energy are investigating a leakage in a containment structure that caused the shutdown of the 9-mile point two Point Unit 2 reactor on Lake Ontario last weekend. The reactor remained shut down after a, quote, higher-than-normal leakage was discovered in the dry well. Higher-than-normal leakage? What's normal leakage in a nuclear plant? Wouldn't you... The incident was classified as an unusual event, the lowest level of nuclear power plant emergencies. Uh, The NRC spokesman says it appears the source of the leakage is a valve on a recirculation pump. Yes, the highest level of physics, and um, it's depending on, you know, plumbing, just good old, good old-fashioned plumbing. The Japanese government and Tokyo Electric say the amount of radioactive material being admitted from the Fuch plant has dropped to one-fifth of that from of a month ago. The state minister in charge of the nuclear crisis said the reading is just an estimate, however, because the exact emission levels cannot be accurately measured. So ignore the reassurance. The mixing system planned for the Hanford Plant's high level radioactive waste could wear out in only a few months rather than last the 40 year lifetime of the plant, according to a union official and Department of Energy documents. Despite the concerns raised in the documents, DOE gave Bechtel, its contractor for the vitrification plant, the go ahead to complete fabrication fabricfic- of the plants that use the mixing system. A federal engineering review team found in late July that Bechtel's safety evaluation of key equipment at the $12 billion plant was incomplete and that the risks are more serious than Bechtel acknowledged when it sought approval to continue the construction. Owners of the Vermont Yankee nuclear power plant say the state may be overestimating the amount of radioactive tritium found in water samples taken from the Connecticut River. The Vermont Health Department announced the test results Wednesday, confirming for the first time that tritium leaking from the reactor had reached the river. The department said two samples taken from the river shoreline showed concentrations just above what is known as the minimum detectable amount. But New Orleans-based Energy, owners of Vermont Yankee, issued a statement saying its testing of the same sample showed levels of tritium below the minimum detectable amount. The spokesman said he could not explain how the company was able to detect tritium at levels below the minimum detectable amount. It's an estimate, is my guess. My guess is it's an estimate, and my estimate is it's a guess. The Japanese Cabinet Office's Nuclear Safety Commission was able to summon only a handful of its 40 emergency advisors immediately after the fuk accident. In an exclusive interview with a Japanese Mainichi newspaper, the chairman of the Office of... Nuclear Safety Commission explained the body was unable to send emails to many advisors in the aftermath of the disaster. Other members were unable to come into the headquarters because transportation systems in Tokyo were paralyzed. As a result, the panel of 40 experts hardly fulfilled its role of giving expert advice to the government at the time of a major disaster. So when there's a disaster, when there's a disaster, don't call the experts. Call estimators. Japan is preparing to receive its first import of highly radioactive waste. Really? What? Since March, when an earthquake and tsunami, blah, blah, blah. The vessel Pacific the Pacific Grebe set sail from Britain with more than 30 metric tons of radioactive waste on board. Its Japanese spent fuel reprocessed in the UK is returning sealed and stainless steel canisters. It will arrive early next month. So it's Japanese waste to begin with. It says... A visiting professor at the University of Ulster School of Biomedical Sciences, storage of waste for thousands of years, quote, is a very big problem with no acceptable solution and more waste is being produced every year. He studied Sweden's nuclear waste storage projects. They are supposed to be the best. But he says there's no solution yet. Scientists and doctors are calling for a new national policy in Japan that mandates the testing of food, soil, water, and the air for radioactivity still being emitted from the food plant. How much radioactive materials have been released from the plant, asked Dr. Tatsuhiku Kodama, a professor at the Research Center for Advanced Science and Technology at the University of Tokyo. The government and TEPCO have not reported the total amount of the released radioactivity yet, he says. There's a widespread concern in Japan about a general lack of government monitoring for radiation, causing people to begin their own independent monitoring, which is also finding disturbingly high levels of radiation. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission this week cited XL. XL. They excel. That's why it's called XL, Energy for a Safety Violation, at its Prairie Island, Minnesota nuclear power plant. It involved a safety-related battery charger that sometimes stopped working during tests that simulated losing power from off the site. Federal regulators deemed the violation to be of low to moderate safety significance, enough to result in additional Nuclear Regulatory Commission oversight of the plant. Nobody in the Nuclear and Industrial Safety Agency of Japan thought of notifying the governments of neighboring countries before water containing low levels of radiation at the Fukushima plant was released into the sea. The foreign ministry also learned of the action only after being alerted by an official assigned to the TEPCO Accident Task Force, who happened to see a TEPCO document. The revelations, according to the newspaper Mainichi, illustrate the lack of sense of crisis and problems involving the communication system between nuclear plant operators and government regulators on crucial information. The U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission has upheld its finding of a serious safety violation that will require increased inspection activities at the Browns Ferry Nuclear Plant in Alabama. This was... uh, TVA failing to quickly realize that an old valve was stuck. Employees discovered the problem when they tried to use the system to shut down the reactor for refueling. Those damn valves, those damn pipes. Japanese inspectors found the first case of radioactive contamination in rice, the national grain, this week, adding it to the list of foods harmed by the Fouke accident. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission here has launched a special inspection into a service water pump component failure last week at Palisades Nuclear Power Plant. In Michigan, the plant is currently operating safety. This was an August 9th failure of a coupling that holds pipes together. We need to look at exactly what failed, says the NRC spokesperson, Prima Chandratil. Clean. Does it make you feel good, Addy?
3: I feel great.
5: Okay. Clean, safe, cheap, too. Clean to Thegan. Our friend, the Atom. Enjoy the warmth, won't you? It's always warm where I am. I heat things up. Excellent. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read the trades for you. This is from Advertising Age. Madonna signs with Smirnoff. I'll read it for you. Madonna, who turned 53 this week, has inked a new global deal to endorse Smirnoff Vodka. She'll kick off her new partnership with an international contest in which fans of the vodka brand can vie to become a dancer on her next tour. The uh, company that owns Smirnoff, Diageo, Diageo. Think she's timeless. She stands for originality, says Smirnov's executive VP for global content and communications. Yes, and vodka has such an executive. She's always creating cultural movements, whether it's in dance or music or fashion. She is a trendsetter. Madonna is recognized by 98% of US consumers, according to the marketing arms. Davy Brown Index, an independently conducted survey that marketers use to determine a celebrity's ability to influence consumer brand affinities. Her influence score just ranks number 478, putting her in the same neighborhood as Jada Pinkett Smith and Beth Midler. But none of that is stopping Madonna from being what advertising age called. And of course, you know, a lot of um, hip hop artists are representing for vodka these days. I was in Cincinnati. And downtown is filled with what we in L.A. would call super graphics. But in Cincinnati, I'm sure they just call them giant billboards featuring um, hip-hop artists, photos, fashion photos of hip-hop artists and vodka. And the Smirnoff endorsing history goes back to Zsa, Zsa Gabor and Woody Allen. So says advertising age, Madonna... is the newest, quoting, celebrity booze endorser. You
3: pay for
5: private school
3: In the days gone by You just get coarser and coarser Now you're playing it smooth You're a celebrity booze Endorser Oh, your demographic's all grown up They like the finer things A mercedes In the cards. Your DUI still clings. You're too cool to just push cell phones. Your clothing line to the rears. So sexy, the white goods look so clean, the whole design has walked upstairs, it's a whole new day, a whole new fashion scene. Oh, your face is back on billboards on the other side of town, your brand is aspirational, you're an up without a down. With a drinking problem Can read the teeny print
5: And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the news corporation scandal, because there's no scandal like the news of a news corporation of the corporation of the news corporation scandal. First, Rupert Murdoch has sold his sprawling cattle ranch in Carmel Valley, California. This isn't scandalous. It's just interesting because he said, uh, well, he said uh, his wife, new wife, Wendy, didn't see it in her future portfolio. Um, But he said in 2006, I feel completely relaxed here. Of the Carmel Valley Ranch. It's where we gather as a family. I use the ranch as a retreat to entertain my executive and senior team members. That's, I guess, his family. People appreciate that you entertain them in your home. You've still got to treat people right at the office, but they do appreciate coming here. Rupert Murdoch, you have to treat people right at the office. That's up on the wall there somewhere, isn't it? Really? Executives at Murdoch's. UK-based News International concerned that emails discussing questionable payments made to police by news of the world may prove more problematic than those that discuss phone hacking. Sources familiar with invest Well, no kidding. It's a police corruption scandal, ladies and gentlemen. they are growing concerns, this is Reuters reporting, they are growing concerns inside the company that evidence of questionable payments to police or other British public officials could fuel investigations by U.S. authorities into possible breaches of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, an American law that prohibits corrupt payments to foreign government officials. News Corp is an American company now. Meanwhile, Bloomberg reports that uh, News Corp Chief Operating Officer Chase Carey is holding discussions with some large investors over governance of News Corp and other concerns. The California State Teachers Retirement System plans to meet with officials soon, sending letters, holding conference calls, and meeting with News Corporation management the uh, people with knowledge of the situation said, reflecting investor concern over succession plans for Rupert Murdoch, the use of capital and family control of the company in the wake of the scandal. The, uh, one of the independent board members, supposedly, involved in the investigation on behalf of News Corp, Viet Din is so independent he's the godson of Rupert's son's son. The Los Angeles-based U.S. editor of the shuttered former Murdoch paper News of the World was arrested this week by police investigating the phone hacking scandal in the paper, becoming the first U.S.-based journalist arrested in the case. That's news of News Corp. It's not copyrighted, so don't steal it, Dick. By steal, I mean borrow.